video content is king. I think that's the kicker. Creator should be a huge focus. Lots of content, lots of collaborations, and probably a decently sized budget as well. What is the persona of this person? What are you going to do if this doesn't work? We're attempting this from a different angle. That's going to be huge. It should be a no-brainer. On today's episode of the podcast, I have Nikki Lindgren from Penoc, which is a paid media agency, on the show to talk about TikTok ad mastery. Nikki knows more about TikTok ads than anyone I've ever talked to, which I guess isn't saying much because I know very little about TikTok ads. But man, was it refreshing to just have an expert on the show to just walk us through everything that you need to do in order to find success on TikTok. Highly recommend checking out the rest of the episode. I think it could make a difference between your brand finding success or failure on a platform like TikTok ads. So let's get into the show. Tanner, thank you so much for having me today. Uh, I am the founder and managing partner of a very niche boutique agency called uh, Pennock, which is actually named after the small town I grew up in, in Minnesota. And we're an all-female team. Many of us are mothers and we're fully decentralized. So our group of full-time employees works throughout the country. The job we come to the table to do for our brands is help beauty and fashion brands grow their business online on their DTC site using paid media platforms, any and all paid media platforms. So you mentioned you're in the Bay Area now. What what brought you there? Oh my gosh. Well, growing up in rural Minnesota, Pennock is a town of like maybe 300 people now. Um, my my high school was like 12 miles away. Maybe I'm ex maybe I'm exaggerating, but you know it was a drive to get to town. Um, I was so excited to get away from the rural parts. So I moved to California um, right after graduation, like literally the week after. I'm getting ready for my first year of college. So was really anxious to not be in the rural parts of the country. How did your career get started? Well, I was fortunate enough coming out of uh, college. I went to college here in the San Francisco Bay Area um, to land a job with Cost Plus World Market. And I worked as a founding member of their e-commerce team. So Cost Plus World Market, now World Market, has probably 150, maybe even more stores across the country. Um, but they hadn't, they were really slow to the e-commerce game. And so they were looking for a junior employee to come in and help with a lot of the marketing efforts on their e-commerce store plus inventory management. Like I had the oddest job in terms of what my responsibilities were, but it was really fun to go there, build it from the ground up, um, figure out what parts of marketing worked. And that led me into agency side. Uh, so I did similar work, but agency side for entertainment brands. And we were pushing things like um, Game of Thrones product. We were pushing, gosh, what was it? Jeremy, Nick, Jeremy Lin, his Knicks jersey was one of our products that we were pushing. So we had a lot of really cool e-commerce products related to entertainment. Um, and then I had kids and moved to the suburbs and found another in-house job. Uh, but all of this all along has always been e-commerce. And so um, looking back and having my third kid, I was like, I just want to do an agency, but do it the way I want to do it, where we can really integrate with our brands better than I was able to do agency side and better than my agencies were able to do when I was in-house. And that's kind of precisely the the little you know world we're trying to carve out here at Pennock. And it sounds like really 
incredible experience with your first job too. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, the timing of everything was kind of perfect. Cause then I went in the house at Kiwi Co for one of my later jobs and took them through their first million and then to their first 10 million. So it was a really good time for me to kind of be understanding how to really move the knobs of not only paid, but just marketing channels overall to grow businesses. Yeah. And I do think that brand side experience is really, really important, especially if you're going to be agency side, because there's just so much that goes on in the back end that no one sees and like so many problems and fires coming up that agencies really should have a good understanding of. And man, I wish that my experience started off in e-commerce. It took me a few years to really find that e-commerce was something that I was passionate about. So I'm a little envious of you there, but today we're chatting about TikTok ads and I'm super excited to talk about it because Everyone knows it's a thing. Everyone knows it's hot, but like no one really talks about it, right? What do you think makes TikTok such a strong standout ad platform for a lot of brands out there? If you're comparing that to traditional platforms like Facebook and Instagram. As I was preparing for this last night, just thinking through the different ways in which TikTok has really level set and elevated the playing field altogether. I think the first thing about TikTok that I think we can't not speak about is just the way it pushed brands, whether they were ready to or not, to think about creative differently and think about what uh, people really want to engage with. Because at the end of the day, if you can't figure out how to get someone to engage on the platform, you can't get them to even consider buying from you. So I think just that like kick in the butt to say like, how can we make assets that are really going to leverage our hooks, leverage our unique selling propositions, but in a way that makes sense is um, really important for brands to do. And just looking at the data of not all of our clients, we have 22 different brands uh, who we support right now, and not all of them are on TikTok or on TikTok with high spend levels, but it's really obvious the ones who are on TikTok that they are seeing this halo effect of sales when they increase their spend on TikTok. So even for those who are just exploring it and they aren't seeing uh, true attribution, be it ROAS or CAC coming through from the platform, like there is that impact of the, the awareness can lead to something good, assuming the awareness is positive on the platform. TikTok changed the game when it came to ad creative. 100%. What do you think is contributing to the fact that attribution is so low in platform? You think it's just because people don't act right then and there on the ad and they end up just remembering that they saw the ad and they end up searching for it later going direct first thing to say is like it's changing quite quickly with tiktok shops but i think um the the main reason to go there and be okay with maybe using it as an engagement and awareness channel to start is um the cpms are so low i mean we saw this all of 2023 we're seeing this again in q5 and early you know early parts of new years and um you can't, you can't beat that reach of awareness you can get on the platform. So that in itself is a good reason to go there. Um, TikTok shops, as I did mention, is kind of changing the game. Uh, and then third-party data out there really shows that at least the younger generations, they are believing and being interested in what they're seeing on platform at a different rate than they were on other platforms. So I think all of those things are kind of making it a perfect storm to uh, continue to experiment with. And I think like, leveling the playing field is a true part of it. So you don't have to spend a ton of money. You don't have to be the Procter and Gamble to figure out how to find your, um, your group there on TikTok. And I think that there should be a lot of exploration on the platform, but 
it's, it's a hard one to explore. You have to have someone who's interested and super dedicated to figuring out the odds and ends that are going to work for you. What I really like about TikTok is your creative drives everything on the platform, right? The algorithm knows who's going to be interested in that content. That's what's so awesome about it. Like each creative you test is most likely going to reach a different audience every single time. So you just have like an endless amount of testing that you can actually be doing. And it's never going to be like an apples to apples comparison to your point with your big competitors that can spend all day and just shatter you in terms of like how deep their, their pockets are. Right. Yeah. And that's interesting you say that because I'm kind of having a cringe reaction because as a paid media uh, specialist myself by, by trade, um, I always want to learn and get better. And you're really pointing out the fact that sometimes you'll learn, but you don't know how to get better from it because it's a trend that you latched onto. The trend has passed. So like, you can't really do anything with it, but be glad you rode that wave. Uh, I will back up for a minute though and say like, there are great targeting capabilities on TikTok like any other platform. So we can go pretty niche. We can go into hashtag targeting and things of that sort, but it is true that the trends and the ability to respond to and take action on the trend is really what's going to elevate this month, this week's performance of TikTok. And next month, you don't know if you're going to be able to repeat that or not. And so like everything you're doing and all the learnings you're doubling down on, um, yeah, might might kind of vanish in thin air. And I'll give you an example of that. We had a client at the, um, a little bit of time ago that there was like a coquette, I think you say it trend that was going on where basically people were tying bows around everything on TikTok. So French fries, tying bows on them, like any and everything. And we were working with a client who had a really great TikTok marketing person for organic TikTok. So she started creating um, for their products, bows around everything. We were able to catch that trend before it peaked um, and see really great return on not only their TikTok shop ads, but just like pointing to the e-commerce store too. And it's just that ability to be like, I'm seeing this trending. I'm seeing it hasn't peaked. I think to us, a peak is like use of the effect or the sound or the whatever of like 500K or more is when you're kind of like too late to kind of grab onto it. And so we're working with with teams and we're working in house to figure out how to identify those, those things before they've actually peaked. So in your experience, Nikki, like what type of shelf life does it have on the platform? How long can you get good results from, from a trend? I'm going to give you like the greatest answer here ever. And the reason is because like the things that are truly latching onto a trend that, you know, you didn't create, but you're seeing you have an opportunity to latch on to, that's going to be a little different. That can be a few days to like 14 days, depending, but every marketer should still have in their portfolio of ads live on TikTok some level of evergreen. And this is usually a slightly longer video, like 15 to 20 seconds in length that are introducing, that will introduce people to the product, the brand, whatever. And so those evergreen assets can live for you know, an extended period of time. So I would say the refresh rate is a lot higher than it is on Meta in terms of new assets coming through, but you are going to find winners. Like we've got a couple things in rotation right now that we probably launched six months ago and they work fine. So you really have to have like someone on, on the brand side that they have to have a presence on the platform to be able to identify those trends as they're happening. So you can take advantage of it. Exactly. It's like, Honestly, a lot of meta marketers, they don't use the platform every day, right? But you can get away with that. I don't think you can with TikTok. 
It's so true. And I was talking to someone who on my team who runs a lot of our TikTok campaigns, and she's like, it's really important to highlight that whoever's doing this, like looking at the trends and being a user of TikTok, they need to do it in their own personal account, not their business account, right? So like the data of the business account is going to get a little skewed. So look at it as an individual, catch on these trends. Like once you see a couple videos using the same, whatever we think the trend is, look at the, um, the use of that trend. And as long as it again is under that like 500K, I'm just making up kind of like a loose number uh, uses, then it's probably trending and it's probably one that will peak soon enough. So if you can get a creative person to execute on it quickly, that's what you want to ride. Yeah, I mean, creative, creative, creative. I mean, that's that's all I'm hearing. And that's really what paid ads have kind of turned into these last couple of years. So it's really important to have a good system in place to be churning that out all the time, right? What kind of mix in terms of like entertainment versus like actual selling do you kind of recommend brands take? I would say that aside from pointing to and utilizing shops, like there really shouldn't be that much selling on TikTok. So really what we coach brands through who are getting started is obviously the brand exists for a reason. They have a voice, they have a tone, but how can we exploit that in a favorable way for TikTok? So an education um, angle, you know, we'll take that and we'll spin it and create assets in that voice, um, fight a uh, funny, punchy, whatever, whatever their kind of like overarching theme is. We want to take that and exploit that. Um, the underlining factor is going to be go by, but there has to be something more than it because it, TikTok is not to the point you just made a platform where people want to be sold to, they want to be entertained. And so that's the first thing you have to get through. If you can't get that engagement rate somewhere normal, um, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be able to get the sale to occur either way. If you do it right, the, the content is entertaining enough and the message is powerful enough that they want to buy it without you having a call to action. Are any of your clients on TikTok shop? What are you seeing there? Yeah, they are. And I am unfortunately like not close to like the odds and ends of like how the connection comes together. But what I can tell you from what we've studied with these clients who are on it is, um, that sell through and that ability to drive return on ad spend or CAC just becomes that much more elevated when people don't have to go to your e-commerce store. So I do think for brands that are willing to test it out, like really approach it as set this up as a test, point your ads to the shop as a test and AB, is it better than driving to e-commerce or not in terms of that sell-through? Um, I think it will be very clear very quickly for most brands that it is a win-win. Um, and it's it's just the reality of the, the times we're living in with all of social. We see similar results on Meta to um, depending on the AOV of the product and the type of product it is. Sometimes Meta shop will outperform TikTok shop, but I do think... Um, the return on ad spend and the CAC reduction are just so favorable with the shop that it's a no-brainer to set that up as part of your ad strategy. Not to mention the extra data points that are going to fuel the algorithm for your targeting, right? I mean, the more purchase events you can feed that algorithm, the better your ads are going to be. Have you come across an instance where TikTok shop didn't work out? compared to just sending traffic to Shopify? I mean, I wish I could say yes, but I honestly can't. Like it, it's, 
Sometimes it hasn't been that much better. Um, so let's say like a 5% ROAS lift or something, but it's always better to allow that as an option in the platform. So I would, yeah, highly recommend testing it out. In fact, like any of our brands that are unhappy with their ROAS, we're like, when can we, when can we implement this? When can we do this? Because we know that that's going to be a, a lever driver for them. Right. Yeah. And just, just having that visibility and transparency in the data and not having to connect the dots from an attribution perspective. I mean, it's big, it's huge, but I think where we're going to see like probably the biggest impact of TikTok shop is with affiliate. Um, and I know you guys probably don't do a whole lot with affiliate, but that's going to be huge. We don't do much with the affiliate. I mean, I think by way of, we've been working with a couple brands that work with affiliate networks to get the creator content out there for TikTok and the whitelisting and spark sparking. Those are really, you know, core competency of the platform and doing ads successfully. Um, so there is going to be that involved in the mix of a lot of the brand strategy going forward. Um, I'm not, close enough to the affiliate angle of it and like what that all entails to speak to intelligently to, to more of that. But um, yeah, not surprised that like, because they have their creator marketplace and all that stuff that uh, creator and affiliates is going to be a, a big component going forward. For brands that have not tried TikTok ads, um, what are some pieces of advice that you have for them just getting started? What are some common pitfalls they can avoid? Use the the lowest lift you, lift you can to get testing there, but just recognizing that the types of assets that are needed there are not going to be a one-to-one -one match to what you're going to be running on your metas or even your Pinterest ads, right? So I think having a, someone or an extension of your team that can be looking at those trends and figuring out how to exploit them um, for the brand is going to be really important. Creator content is huge, right? So anything you can spark, anything you can whitelist from another audience will be beneficial. A pitfall could be a small brand that's just starting, say they have a couple thousand followers on TikTok, them working with a nano that also has a couple thousand followers um, and like engage low engagement, that's not going to be a marriage made in heaven, right? Like if both audiences are small, you're not going to get much lift from it. So I'd be thoughtful about how you set up the account and how you set up that first couple months of growth to get there and know that you'll probably have to invest the most heavily then. Yeah. So I would say that those are kind of like the main, the main things. Uh, I think spark ads and like the way TikTok works with organic content is so different than whatever happened on meta. I mean, I think in our meta accounts, like maybe we'll boost a couple things from our clients, organic feeds a month, but it's usually not like a huge part of the mix. And if we decide not to boost one month, like it's not make or break the campaign performance on TikTok, like sparking is, you know, very much involved in, in the strategy and, uh, you know, the outcome of what we do. So, um, I would really want whoever is running and testing TikTok ads to be thinking through how that interfaces with the organic side of TikTok. Yeah. That's interesting that sparks on TikTok actually do something because I always tell people like boosting your Facebook posts is just a great way way to waste whatever money you throw at it, right? <laughs> yeah.
generally. It, I'm sure that's not always the case. Yeah, but. It depends. I think uh, sharing awards, uh, mentions from press and testimonials first organically on either platform and then boosting or sparking, I think still is a pretty strong strategy. Um, like get ready with me, what's in my bag, things like that do tend to still work well on meta from a boost perspective. How important are influencer collaborations with ads? You mentioned that it's like part of the strategy, but is it kind of make or break? Um, does that, is that a necessary ingredient? I would call it very necessary. Like I would say, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to put a percentage or like a, a number to it. Um, I wouldn't recommend going out for like the first quarter, let's call it of live ads without a creator content play in place in terms of how assets will get developed. Um, so many benefits of it, right? Like it's coming from a third party, the the interest in your product, lower creative lift on your internal team's needs. Uh, so I would say creator should be a huge focus of any launch and ongoing planning. Um, ideally, we want to get our brands into a place where they can rely on the same set of creators who are sort of ambassadors almost to the brand uh, on you know, on a behind the scenes facing relationship rather than needing to find a bunch of new creators every single month or quarter, um, just from an efficiency perspective. And so I think what you're alluding to there is that there needs to be a steady flow of user generated content, right? Yeah. What would be the downside of maybe getting some UGC in place from like 25 to 50 different creators to see what works the best? Is it just too wide at that point? Yeah, I don't think going after that many is necessarily a problem. I think what I would uh, stress to whoever's putting this plan in place is what what is the strategy. So an example would be, let's say the brand has five USPs and like five hooks, if you will, that they want to deploy through creators. I would select 10 for each hook, right? So that you've got lanes in which you're trying to uh, identify what hooks are going to land best, as well as lanes in which you're trying to identify what creators work best, right? So then you're kind of taking the top in all scenarios and continuing to double down with them. If uh, the creator was in lane A for a hook last time, now move them to lane B, do they really just work better in, in hook A, right? So I think I'd want a lot of um, strategy involved in the process because I think when we throw spaghetti at the wall, it's really just that. And um, that's something I loathe as a marketer is like a bunch of attempts to do something without a concrete strategy in a concrete, like, what did we learn from it? So that's just what I would caution to, to anyone kind of planning to work with a lot is like, make sure you're very clear on what the, the learning is. And it can't just be the person because um, you've got to, you've got to direct the person, the creator as to what to do. Rely less on the fact that it's a different person in the video, but be more strategic about how the hooks land from each of those creators specifically. And if you're going to test that many different things, the more creators you throw into the mix, the less data you're going to get out of it. Yeah. And I think in my opinion, like I would be approaching this as a play of evergreen content, right? So like, hopefully all these creators are things that work for you and can work for you six months from now. And it's not just this immediate fad. And then it's, it's really a win-win in that situation. So Nikki, what would you say your secrets to scale are? We just went through one uh, pretty pretty concretely. So the creator partnership, I think, is huge. Anything that you can whitelist from them, uh, the better. Uh, testing 
as frequently, more frequently than you ever thought possible in terms of just rapid fire in-house um, trends to go through. And then I think, um, you know, there's stickers, there's a couple different like ways in which you can elevate the experience of your ad that should be um, tested again, strategically, but think through the data that you see both in platform and in your store. So um, first time sh shoppers love discounts and deals. So anything you can do there, um, great. Uh, think through your inventory landscape too. So what's selling quickly, focus on that. What's selling slowly, focus on that. But I think it's like, you can't have like a junior employee come to you and say like, I want to test a couple ads and assume success. Like, I think there has to be a lot of um, planning and parameters in place there. And um, the testing and the creators, I think are the main, main points that I would highlight over and over. That's good advice. You, I don't think like a, a simple pilot of TikTok ads really exists, right? And, and if you're going to go at it that short-sighted, then you may be missing out on a big opportunity because you didn't really give it a fair shot. And a fair yeah. shot is going to require lots of content, lots of collaborations, and probably a decently sized budget as well. What we find in our space is a lot of brands are coming to us having worked with a freelancer before who they kind of ran out of future with. They weren't being strategic thinkers, blah, blah, blah. And so they're like ready to come over to a, a small agency like ours. And an example that just happened to us uh, within the last six months is we acquired a new customer and uh, they tried TikTok with their freelancer. It didn't work. And so they were a little gun shy, but they knew they wanted to be there because that is their demo or TikTok users. And so we evaluated what happened before and it was not a bad strategy. It was like, I'm targeting people. It was a fragrance brand. I'm targeting people interested in fragrance and like scents and like, you know, candles, all the things that go with fragrance. So the targeting was really precise to the product and the assets were fine. So we took it and we're like, okay, we know that didn't work. What else do we know about the customer? Okay. They like music festivals. They like, um, maybe like certain fast food chains. So we started targeting, uh, our efforts against this kind of, what is the persona of this person who she's not sure he is not obsessed with fragrance. They have this lifestyle and how do we back into the lifestyle using the exact same assets, just a different targeting strategy and it worked, you know? And so I think like, even if it didn't work, we had a position to say like, we're attempting this from a different angle and the test is the audience at this point, you know? So I think it's really coming to the table as a strategic thinker and partner for the brands to say like, even if all goes to crap, like we've got a good learning here for us all to walk away with. Yeah. And that's, what's important with advertising is like having a plan. Okay. What are you going to do if this doesn't work? What's your backup plan? What are you going to learn from it? But I think it really just comes down to knowing your customer really well, understanding them on a deep level, like what they care about, what their lifestyle is like, and then you can weave it into like their normal content. That I think that's the kicker. So congrats on that. Is there anything that I did not ask you that you think might benefit the audience? Video content is king and like really just nail a way to engage, get that engagement rate higher and higher and every piece of content you're putting out there. And it should be a no brainer from there. Even if the metrics don't say that ROAS or CAC is better in platform, look at the halo effect, use your tools like Northbeam and Triple Whale to validate that uh, it's a good use of your investment and it should be should be easy sailing from there. Awesome. Well, what's the website everyone can go to check you guys out? We are penock.co. That's P-E-N-N-O-C-K.co. Um, and yeah, we'd love to we'd love to hear from some of your listeners. So, so thank you again so much. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to link that up in the show notes. And thank you again, Nikki. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm.